Today on Bruce Springsteen Sings the Alphabet, What Love Can Do. Hey everybody and welcome to Bruce Springsteen Sings the Alphabet. It's the only podcast on the internet where we talk about every single song, uh, Bruce Springsteen song in alphabetical order from the beginning to the end. I'm JB Clark, joined as always by Rob Carmack. Rob, how are you doing today? JB, I am very excited about this particular song. This this is one of those songs that I've been anxious to talk about since we started, actually. Yeah? Yeah, yeah, I, I really like this song. So Right on, man. How, uh, I, how I am is excited. Cool. I, yeah. I am excited that, that you've been excited to listen, to talk about this song uh, well, the, from the beginning. The thing is, a lot of the content... The, okay, let me back up. As you mentioned at the, at the top, the song we're talking about is Working on a Dream. This comes from the 2009 album, Working, or, or I'm sorry, the song is What Love Can Do. The album, what Love Can Do. What Love Can Do. The album is the 2009 album, Working on a Dream. And Correct. this this is one of my favorite songs on this album. Like There's a, there's a lot on this album that I don't really feel like I ever need to talk about. Like I, In fact, if you yeah. go back to some of the episodes where we talked about some of the, the songs, it's it's a lot of like, I don't know. <laughs> But but this one I've been very excited about because I feel like this this one's kind of a diamond in the rough. Yeah. I feel like this this is one of the better songs on this record. So anyways, uh, yeah, man, it's I don't know. I have a lot of thoughts about it too. I I think you're gonna like most of them. I think one of them you're gonna be mad about. Uh. <laughs> no, that's fine. Well, and that's 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 the journey here, my friend. A couple yes. of a couple of basic facts uh, just to get things out of the way so we can kind of clear the field and talk about it. Uh, this song, according to Bruce was recorded during the last weeks of mixing the magic sessions. So this is so if you, if you listen to this song you're like this could have been on magic. You're right because it was made before they like gave up their studio time while like during the magic right. sessions. Uh, so it it was uh, mixed and recorded sometime in the May to June 2007 time window. And Bruce says about the song uh, quote he says it was a great track but felt more like a first song of a new record rather than something that would fit on magic. Which is funny because it does it does aesthetically sound like a magic song, but at the same time, I'm really glad it's on Working on a Dream. If for no other reason, then I feel like it elevates the album, and I I, I want to enjoy every Bruce Springsteen album as much as possible. And the song, th- this song contributes to my enjoyment of this record. And also, this this song has been played exactly one time live, and it was on October the 14th, 2009, in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, and that was on the Working on a Dream tour. So if you if you were in Philly at the show in Octo- in 2009 on October 14th, you you saw the one and only performance of What Love Can Do. So that's all I've got. Uh, on, on that's basic crazy facts. that this song's only been played once live. Yeah, it's. I mean, it's 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 kind of a straightforward, pretty straightforward sounding like rocker. And so if I was gonna, if I was Bruce, if I was Bruce, and I was touring to promote this album, I would definitely be playing this song. You know, like this. This is one. Yeah. Because I mean, it's, it's pretty short, so it doesn't take up a lot of real estate in the set list. But also, it's it's very it's big and it's fun. It punches a lot of those boxes of like this is just a really upbeat rock and roll song. Like I don't know why he he didn't play it more. Like if, I feel like if you're promoting this record, this is this is kind of an easy one to use. To me, this is way more accessible than the songs he was playing on that tour a lot, which were Outlaw Pete and Working on a Dream. You know, like those were the yeah. two most frequently played songs from this album on that tour. And I if, I would argue this song is way better than both of those songs. Yeah, yeah, I would too. I'm I'm with you on that boat for sure. So I I think I'm I'm super jealous of the people who were at the Philly show, and I I think it's a I think it's a damn shame that this song wasn't played more on that tour. Yeah, uh, I think that I don't know, I don't know what I think. It's a song that seems his the band could really nail. I guess is the reason why it's weird that he hasn't played it more. I understand why 
he doesn't didn't play a lot of the stuff off this record. And he he sort of explained it as when people when he was asked in interviews, like as the tour went on, like why didn't you play more song? Why didn't you work like, really work harder to promote this album by playing the songs on this album? And he straight up said like the audiences weren't responding to it. You know, like I like yeah. people were just not getting into it as. I mean, like Bruce. Bruce has gotten to the point, and by the time this album came out, ten years ago now, he he had already gotten to the point in his career where he it doesn't take him long to know what a live audience does and does not respond to. And my guess is like he's probably like thinking like, look, we're out here with the E Street Band. We've got all this, we got all this firepower. We have this entire back catalog. Why am I trying to force people to swallow something that they don't want to swallow? And that's when they started doing the full album um, sets. So uh, Which yeah, is awesome. Yeah, it is awesome. But at the same time, this is not as long a song. And I think it's a banger. And I really wish he'd done it more. And the crazy thing is, is he could probably go do uh, Working on a Dream full album songs uh, tour now and sell it out. <laughs> oh, he <laughs> would sell it energy out. energy that the river had. Uh, but, you know, it'd be dope. I think people would complain. I, th- I think you'd see a lot of people who go to the show <laughs> and will bring, like, <laughs> you know, like sign requests for pretty much everything other than whatever you're going to play from Working on a Dream. Because I, like... You know, like he—he's not wrong. Like a lot of that stuff, yeah, d- isn't as exciting on in the set list as anything from Darkness on the Edge of Town or The River, or you know. And so, um, and so he—he he definitely be fighting an uphill battle. But at the same time, yeah, if Bruce if Bruce put the E Street Band together and was like, "We're gonna do a Working on a Dream tour," every fan would be like, ah, "Working on a Dream." I'll buy three tickets. <laughs> you know, I'll—I'll I'll only go to yeah. three shows instead of my requisite seven. You know what I mean? Like that's a. Uh, that, that's what a, an angry Bruce Springsteen would fan would do. Only travel to three right. shows. So, um, anyway, what do you hear when you listen to the music? All right, so, I'm glad you asked. <laughs> I hear a lot of stuff. Yes, there's a all lot of, of it stuff. Is, this is a wall of sound right here. Is definitively good. Yeah, all of it is definitively good stuff that I hear. Now, I will say not all of it is, like, great or timeless stuff that I hear. Mm-hmm. I just want to get that out of the way. I think it is all very good stuff. Like, mathematically correct yeah uh i I think the snare tambourine percussive acoustic and like the vocal tone melody give this a very uh like 1990 between 1999 and 2006 time stamp okay yeah i mean it's it's in a minor key it's got some pretty tight harmonies so yeah and it's like you said it's it's got a lot of those same elements that you're describing yeah anything that has like a a, uh an Acoustic guitar that is very audible, but buried into the mix to the point that you can only hear the strums yeah. is like probably from probably has a tambourine in it is probably from this era. And you have probably listened to at like an outdoor festival in Chacos and a hip necklace, you know, actually, it's funny you say that. Like now I'm, I'm trying to think of other bands that I could he- totally hear playing this song. <laughs> and the band that first came to my mind was Sister Hazel. Can, you know what I mean? Like, can you, could you hear Sister Hazel doing this yeah. song? I think Sister Hazel would crush it with this song. There's like a sort of obscure band called Nello from Austin. Oh, I love Nello. Oh, yeah? I saw, like, all things collide. Dang, we gotta tell some Nello stories later. I saw saw Nello open for Sister Hazel at the House of Blues in Dallas, like, ten years ago. Right right about the time this album was coming out. Doesn't this full-on sound just like a Nello original? Yeah, this, which, to me, that's, that's high praise. I really like Nello. I, I don't, but not necessarily for musical reasons, so it's fine. I don't dislike him either. I just have, like, weird memories of Nello. Anyway, uh, this sounds like a Nello song to me, though, for sure. Mm. Uh, I will also say the electric guitar tone is very cool. Yeah. And it, yeah, it is. It really comes in between stanzas in the second verse, just kind of, like, lingering, you know? Mm-hmm. 
it's uh, ver- like stanza, and it just kind of like resonates underneath the next stanza, and then it comes up again. Uh, but it's also got that cheesy late '90s, very like super cool, but definitely kind of late '90s, early 2000s tone, where it's kind of uh, back to the Guitar Hero, sort of like, uh, hey, I really love uh, Led Zeppelin, but I play in a pop band, so that's mm. what that's what's going on here, kind of tone of the era. Which again, this is this song is 100% Bruce being a student of pop music, uh, and just really writing a song within the era that uh, he was in at the time. Yeah. Uh, well, and you're right on. Just... Say what? Oh yeah, go ahead. No, go ahead. I was gonna say you're right on, especially when it comes to the acoustic sound, because I mean, as far as like a Bruce does not have a lot of like fast rock songs that heavily feature the acoustic guitar, but that definitely was a style. I mean, you could argue it continues to sort of be a style like for like the Decemberists. So the Decemberists would be another band I wouldn't mind hearing do this song. But the Decemberists, like you can hear the notes the acoustics playing. That's right. Well, but, but what I'm saying, like there, there's a there, there's a genre of of music that was mostly learned by college boys as they sat under a tree on a college campus, like you know yeah. the, the, the Hayler the Hayther Delilah generation. You know, and so yeah, on a on a short scale, uh, Taylor, yeah, guitar, and yeah. this this song this song is reminiscent of that style, and you're not, and, and and the thing is, I really like that style, and maybe that's why I respond to this as well as I do. And what's interesting is they cut a couple of different versions of this song in the studio, and this was the very first cut that they did, and they just decided, like Bruce and I assume Brendan O'Brien as well, like decided together, like no, that that first cut was the best. Because specifically because of how Bruce's vocals sounded, I guess they were just really pleased with how his vocals came out of it. But in the yeah, first cut, awesome. yeah. But in the first cut, he was playing along with the acoustic guitar. I assume because like that's that's like how he works works out how it's going to sound, especially if he's never played it before. So he brought the acoustic guitar into the studio with him and plays while he sings. And after they did multiple cuts of it, O'Brien was like, "Actually, that first cut was the best." And they decided to use it, which is why the acoustic guitar is so big in the song. Not because yeah. that's how he wanted the guitar to sound, but because they were really satisfied with how his vocals sounded while he was playing the guitar. And the and it, it, it the, those um, the instrument and the vocals were, were basically just picked up together. So that's why that basically it was like if you want those vocals, you have to incl- you have to keep the guitar. Yeah. Huh. That is uh that makes a lot of sense. That explains a lot. Well, and I mean, and to that, his vocals sound really good in this song. Like when people are, you know, when people who don't know anything about Bruce Springsteen complain that, well, he just can't sing. Actually, he can. Like this song is, yeah. is evidence that actually he's a really good singer. It's just he's sometimes he takes on the affect of someone who sounds like, you know, like he's gravelly or off 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 key or whatever. But but this song shows you like, no, 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 he's making choices. Like what you hear with his, you may not agree with the choices, but he's making intentional choices. He's not unable to sing. He's choosing how his voice is going to sound. He's controlling it. Yeah. And this, like I said, and like this song is a good example of that. He's very good at it. Yeah. Uh, that just reminded me, I've, a lot of people who think that he can't sing just can't understand sort of like different styles right but right. uh yeah. I, i've got a buddy a really good friend who doesn't think that bruce springsteen can sing this guy's an incredible musician too and also is a fan of hardcore music like screaming music and so he fully understands like the full he's a he is like an angelic voice and is a fan of hardcore music and a great musician understands the full range of it and I'm, i just do not understand that mm. because he fully has full control over his voice he's Clearly like an artist, you know, uh, it's weird. Speaking of, of though, the melody is great and the harmonies melody. are super tight. Yeah. Yeah. 
the harmony is awesome. It is also sort of a harmony of its time, but this is one of the pieces of that time that I would like. I'd be good keeping. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, and I mean, not only are the vocal harmonies tight, the electric guitar is playing the harmonies. You know, like they're it's, it's playing the melody. You know, along along with it. You know, like I, I love how. Yeah. I, I really because you got the the acoustic guitar basically laying out the ba- the you know the. Um, the, the infrastructure, the scaffolding for the whole thing. And then you got the the electric guitar kind of mirroring back the the very, very catchy melody. You know, that's a cool yeah. sound. And then you have that really awesome uh, solo guitar, guitar solo that, that just mocks the vocal melody. Yes. And then it's doubled with a uh, featuring John Popper on the harmonica. Is that John Popper, really? No, it's not John Popper. I was going to say, that's not John Popper. That's not totally showy enough to be like John, John Popper. Like a John Popper uh, harmonica solo. I was going to say, I didn't see that in the, in, no, in the liner notes. I mean, look, if Bruce wanted John Popper to be on a track, he'd be on a track. You know what I mean? Like, what, what's he, John yeah, Popper doing? No, 100%. I just like, I, <laughs> I listen to Bruce Springsteen because he probably wouldn't have John Popper on a track. <laughs> hey, man, I like John Popper. Uh, I know, you like, we, we're clearly on that uh, you like... Uh, this era that I there are only some pieces of that I like. Nineties. I did see them once and it was that awesome. That is right up the middle for me, for sure. Say what? Yeah, I did see them once at Mississippi State, uh, and it was they were great. They were fantastic. I saw Blues Traveler. Yeah, we're talking about the band Blues Traveler for anybody who doesn't know. But yeah, um, I, I saw them once here in uh, in De- also at the House of Blues, and there's a lot of he does a, for a guy who. <laughs> who's a vocalist for a living, he smokes a lot of cigarettes during songs. <laughs> you know yes. what I mean? Like, I, I think he started a new cigarette for every song. Oh, and plays harmon- he plays harmonica and sings and smokes. It's insane. Yeah. I don't know how he does it. It's, it's pretty wild. Yeah, he, sh- he should probably not be alive <laughs> for how, no. much, how much he abuses his body on the stage. Anyway, yeah. so no, th- yeah, this is definitely not John Popper. John Popper very probably is... One of the most skilled harmonica players on the on the planet, but uh, yeah. yeah, this this is not like you said. Like you you had me deeply surprised that this was John Popper. It has like a little bit of the tone though that he would have. I, so anyway, I think overall though, this is an incredibly well produced song. I think so too. Um, well, it still only, has sort of that magic and, sort of shine on it, you know. Mm-hmm. And all of this like ticky complaints I've had are are just me jokingly poking fun at a Tom. That that uh, doesn't necessarily resonate with me. Now, don't get me wrong; that I was fully in on and still have a lot of nostalgia for. I just uh, like critically don't necessarily acclaim it anymore. That's fine. <laughs> uh, so pieces of it, pieces of it. So I like to I like to uh, poke fun whenever an artist like Bruce Springsteen goes back to that. Anyway, or not goes back to it. He was in it at the time. So anyway, I Although he I really wasn't. He, he wasn't doing a lot of like acoustic style like alt rock. You know, he he wasn't he wasn't doing like counting. Crows I meant time, or... I meant like time wise. Oh, okay, I see. He's not. I said harken back to, and then I was like, well, I guess he was in it. Tonic. That's another band that sort of lives in that genre. Yeah. Uh. Abs- yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> now I'm just naming bands. Anyway, um, what else do you hear? That's that's really. I, I love the na na na's with the guitar and the harmonic at the end. Yeah. Um. Cool. And again, I think the guitar. The electric guitar is cool, super cool, super simple, very nice. But the production's awesome. It is, it is, it is one sound. It is a sound that is sort of in and of itself. It's beautiful, masterfully produced. I think so too. I like it. Like I said, I think this is, if not my favorite song on this album, it's it's top three, for sure. Top two, yeah. even. Like the the only one that I would maybe even come close. I'm I'm trying in my head to decide if I like this or the last carnival more. But both I I find to be really really good songs on this record. 
Um, uh, yeah, they're both they're both super good. It's also very short. Like, what's the running time? It was like just under three minutes. Uh, it is. Yeah, two minutes fifty six seconds. So it's very similar. Like, if you're going to compare it to a, a, an older Bruce Springsteen song, like on Born to Run, like this sort of like the night of this. You know, night is like mm-hmm. it, it shoots itself out of a cannon. It plays as hard as it can for just under three minutes, and then it's it's gone as quickly as it showed up. So. Super tight um, pop rock. Yep, just like this. So, um, so it, this sort of lives in that same space for me, at least. All right. Well, do you wanna do you wanna go through the lyrics? Uh, yeah. Let's go through the lyrics right now. Cool. Let's do it. All right. Here we go. There's a pillar in the temple where I carved your name. There's a soul sitting sad and blue. Now the remedies you've taken are all in vain. Let me show you what love can do. Let me show you what love can do. Okay. Let's let's try and parse Darn, this out. I, wait, wait, wait. Let, let's, all right. Let's do it. There's a pillar in the temple where I carved your name. There's a soul sitting sad and blue. What? What is he describing here? I mean, it feels like, um, sort of like a, I don't know, like you know, there's like, I don't have, I don't have a specific thing he's trying to describe in my head. I just sort of see the tree, you know, people carve the heart into, yeah, but a more sacred version of it, but also maybe a more sacrilegious version of it. So yeah, I don't know. It, it is evocative of like carving your initials into a tree to tell somebody that you love them, but that it's in the temple, which, like you said, a temple is a, like in 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 the, you know, popular consciousness. A temple is 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 a sacred space, and you don't carve things yeah. into a pillar in a temple, like unless you are trying to start trouble. And then the idea of there's a soul sitting sad and blue. Now the remedies you've taken are all in vain. So, so he's. It sounds like he's trying to pull off some sort of big romantic gesture, and the the his intended recipient is not feeling it in some way, or maybe like is not responding to it in the way that he wants. Um, or maybe he's trying, he, like he sees, he sees that there is some sort of despair and says, now the remedies you've taken are all in vain. Let me show. So basically like there, there's some sort of distress and this person is trying to respond to the person's distress and there's no, nothing has worked so far. And then his, it, basically his last ditch effort is, well, let me show what, show you what love can do. Like may, if, if, if nothing else has pulled you out of your despair, maybe love has a shot at it. Go ahead. Uh, darling, I can't stop the rain or turn your black sky blue. Well, let me show you what love can do. Let me show you what love can do. Well, now our truth lay shattered. You stood at world's end as the sun, as the dead sun rose in view. Well, if any of this matters with a kiss, my friend, let me show you what love can do. Let me show you what love can do. So again, there's this juxtaposition between despair and hopelessness coupled with uh, basically like love is the only cure. Like whatever, whatever's ailing this person, love seems to be the only answer that the narrator can, can muster. Okay, go ahead. Sorry. Uh, darling, we can't stop this train, but when it comes crashing through, let me show you what love can do. Let me show you what love can do. When the bed you lie on is nails and rust, and the love you've given is turned to ashes and dust, with the hope you've gathered drifted to the wind, and it's you and I, my friend. You and I, my friend. You and I now, friend. And then, then comes that... Yeah. That's, that's so cool. Uh, such a good guitar part. I love that. So, like, again, going back to when the bed you lie on is nails and rust. So it's the hope you've gathered. So basically, again, it's, it's living in a time of despair met with some sort of resonant hope slash love that this person is trying to offer. So here, like, initially it sounds like maybe it's it, like a romantic love because of, like, the evocative nature of the carving someone's name into the you know into a temple or, or whatever but now i feel like it's more than that i feel i feel like there's a social like like a larger thing that bruce is trying to say and he's using sort of like this romantic imagery to sort of get at something bigger which is not unlike a lot of things. like he, he this is like this is during the magic sessions and in the magic sessions he does like um oh my gosh 
the the one where he's singing to the bartender and pour me a drink, Teresa. I'll work for your love. Sorry. Yes, so, which, yes. which sorry, also sorry. sort of got, kind of moves in that space, like kind of allowing romantic imagery to also be social slash religious imagery, like kind of exchanging one for the other. So go ahead. Here our memory lay corrupted and our city lay dry. Let me take this vow to you. Or let me make this vow to you. Here's where it's blood for blood and an eye for an eye. Let me show you what love can do. Let me show you what love can do. Here we bear the mark of Cain. We'll let the light shine through. Let me show you what love can do. Let me show you what love can do. Okay, so this this is about America. <laughs> Quite frankly. In fact, um, Bruce once said that this song was a meditation on love in the time of Bush. Again, like contextualize it with, well, he was writing it for the magic record. He ends up putting it on the Working on a Dream record, which both sort of are dealing with the angst of eight years of the Bush administration and wars and you know, a lot of death and destruction and very, very poor decisions. And, um, and so I think, I, I, again, you could make this about a love song, which a lot of Bruce's songs could become. But, I mean, really, I, I think this song is more about America. And, he, and that's why he says, here our memory lay corrupted and our city lay dry. And because a city isn't just like two people. A city is where lots of people live. And so it becomes sort of this notion of maybe the thing that has robbed us of so many things that we once like thought were were true about ourselves maybe the only way to get back to that is love you know i mean this this is his version of all you need is love right on a social scale and then you've got a little bit of um religious imagery here where it says here we bear the mark of cain we'll let the light shine through and the mark of cain if you if for anybody who doesn't know is in um in the book of genesis there's a story about two brothers uh, named cain and abel and cain murders his brother abel and uh, when God confronts Cain about the fact that he murdered uh, Abel, God basically sends him like in, into some sort of exile, which is... It, anyway, this is how the story goes. But he, he's basically sent into exile, and Cain's fear is, well, I'm going to go out, and people are going to know that I did this, and they're going to murder me because they're going to feel like I like my brother needs justice. And so there is what is referred to as the mark of Cain, which is basically like this warning of you'll walk the earth and people will know who you are. And you'll like, you will, you will bear the weight of this thing that you've done, but you also will go through the world unharmed. Um, and so the mark of Cain is sort of this weird sort of thing of it's an acknowledgement of the evil that I participated in, but it's also sort of a reminder that my, my life continues to have value, even though I've stripped life from other people. And so where it says here, here we bear the mark of Cain, we'll let the light shine through. It's sort of realizing like we've been, we've all been a part of this system that has scarred us in a certain kind of way. And now we move through the world with the mark of, I mean, you, you can make the argument like listening to people like at, around that time who are from America, but they would travel overseas and they would like, it was not an unusual thing to hear about like a college student or whoever, like very intentionally not, putting anything that looks American on their stuff. You know what I mean? Because of, yeah. of the bad will that had been basically accumulated after eight years of George Bush. Maybe the mark of Cain, as you move through the world, is sort of an American flag patch on your backpack. You know what I mean? And like, yeah. like maybe maybe it's like you're moving through the world and not unlike Cain, like, like there there is a sort of like fear of harming an American overseas, but there's also sort of like a, can you believe this freaking guy? You know what I mean? And so there's, there's disdain, but there's also some amount of like fear and apprehension surrounding like the presence of an American Mm -hmm. in another place. And so I wonder if that's what he's getting at where he says, here we bear the mark of Cain. We'll let the light shine through. In other words, maybe we can reclaim since people are going to know us anyway, maybe they can know us for something better so we can reclaim our image around the world, which is a great thing to have on an album that comes out two weeks after Barack Obama takes office, right? Like after eight years of George Bush. So 
Um, because I, that was that was one of the big things that came out at that time, which is like maybe we can um, rehabilitate our image in the world. And now right. we've taken like 150 steps back. But you know, there was a you know there was this nice little period <laughs> during you know during that period of time where you could not be took a few steps forward. Yeah. Anyway, that was that was a long way around the block to basically say like the the song seems to be su- supposing that for all the social ills that we've accumulated as a people and as individuals, maybe love is the only way out of that labyrinth, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think it, I think it probably is. <laughs> I think so too. That's why I like the song because I mean, really this is a, it's a pretty simple idea, right? Like there's all these problems. Have we tried solving them with love? Like that sounds almost trite, right? But at the same time, because of the other stuff that's on this album and the other stuff that was on the magic record, like this is a, it's an interesting juxtaposition of like, we know that Bruce isn't naive and we know that Bruce is not shallow. So the ideas here are not coming from a place of like wide eyed, naive optimism. They're coming from a place of, well, we've tried everything else. So at the very least, can we show love to our neighbors? You know? Yeah. Like, can we give it, like we tried blowing the whole thing up and killing everybody. Like that didn't work. Let's just, can we just give it a shot? You know? Just give everybody being happy a shot. Yeah. Maybe just, it won't work. Maybe yeah. it'll be a little expensive. <laughs> just let's just try it. Yeah. So just a little just a little bit. Yeah. Although I mean I realize that because some of this these lyrics are kind of cryptic, I might be getting it all wrong. So I mean what what are your thoughts? When you when you look at these lyrics before we got on, what 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 do you see? Yeah, I, I hadn't thought about it as as deeply as you had. Uh I had really not gotten past the trying to sort of figure out what the what the pillar was you know in the temple yeah. was that a romantic sort of uh tree but it felt more sacred one thing i really like is i can't stop the rain mm-hmm. we can't stop this train and then we bear the mark of cain so it be- goes from being a personal to a collective sort of responsibility and i and i like that like i can't do this alone also we can't really do this but here's what we can do here is an alternative that we can sort of take. Um, so yeah, I, I don't know. That's that's a really hopeful note that I've I've found in this song. Well, and this is one of the more hopeful songs on this album. You know? Yeah, and definitely one of the more hopeful songs from these recording sessions. Yeah, if we're coupling this with magic. Absolutely. So, um, now that said, again, I think I think the song would have been great on magic, but I'm glad it's on working on a dream because, like I said, I think working on a dream needed more good songs. <laughs> so I'm, I'm yeah. happy that this is on there. How many pillars in the temple would you give this song? I, I think I'd give it four. I, I was at three and a half originally, but I think I'm at four. Yeah. I'm a five. Yeah. I figured you were. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm super duper a five for sure. This, this album could use yeah. as many fives as it can get, but, uh, but yeah, it's a killer song. It is. It, you, you said some before we logged on that, you had some thoughts that you worried I wasn't going to respond well to. So, like, what did you already say them? I didn't think that you were as big of a John Popper fan as you are. Oh, I mean, I'm not. I don't like have posters of him in my bedroom or anything like that. I just i i enjoy I enjoy mid to late '90s blues traveler albums. <laughs> that's what. That's yeah. what I. You know, I'm I'm not offended when people are like I don't like John Piper. You know, like John Piper's a weird guy, and not every blues traveler album is a masterpiece. You might go so far as to say there are no Blues Traveler albums that are masterpieces, but uh, I, I, I enjoy I enjoy a certain segment of his body of work. But I'm not cool. offended that people don't really like him. Yeah. <laughs> all right, right on. Yeah. Uh, all right. So you're a four. I'm a five on what love can do. 
And this is yes. not, I, I mean, we're in the W, so it's always possible that we're going to get to the last song on any given record, but this is not the final song on that album. We still have at least one more to go, so um, yes. we'll get to that one soon. Right. But the next song we talk about will not be from this album. The next song we talk about will be When the Lights Go Out. When the Lights Go Out. If everybody It'll be dark. Yeah, that's, that's what happens when the lights go out. It just gets a lot yeah. darker. So uh, join us next time. We'll be talking about when the lights go out. Oops. Unless it's daytime. We can still talk about it. No, I'm saying it doesn't get that much darker if the lights go out, but it's daytime. Right. So we'll see you next time. <laughs>